I'm so excited to have Scott Valk with us today to do just a dialogue over Israel, but even more just to grow in relationship, burn with relationships in the body of Christ. And Scott Falk spearheads a ministry called Together for Israel, and I highly encourage you to follow them. You can go to togetherforisrael.org. We'll make sure we have all the descriptions below in the comments. They even on Instagram have One Minute for Israel, where you can learn how to daily contend for Israel in prayer through different scriptures and lenses that are biblical. And Scott Falk's even written multiple books. And I know one of them that some people probably even consider very controversial, but it's so beautiful revealing that. And if I'm not mistaken, it's Jesus was not a Christian. Yeah, correct. You got it. You got it. Speaking of his uh, Jewish heritage and who he is, he's a Jewish king. And then also, (laughs) I remember uh, when I got to see you at uh, the convocation with Michael Dow a few years ago, I even purchased your uh, Origins book, which is such a great it's such a great practical study guide that to just really help in the biblical roots of faith. But your your whole ministry and what you go after is to to aid the heart or the heart of the church to really learn God's heart for Israel. And then yeah. you're actually doing things on the land in Israel to reach the Jews and to reach those people. And our body has just been we realize how we're toddlers in this and how we're <laughs> shallow in the revelation, but we really want to just go after that together. And so we're really thankful to have you. And Mm. I did want to start out with a a question for you just to kind of give people context for who you are. What awakened your heart for Israel? How did God do that? That's a great question, Dom. And it's really awesome to be with you and the people of Gold Street Garden Church. Thank you for even hanging out with me this morning. This is a real privilege for me. I'm 58 years old. I know. I don't look 58, do I? Come on. I've got- You look good. (laughs) I've been married 35 years. Wow. Five five kids. Uh, I don't don't feel 58, but um, the, the crazy thing, and 58 isn't isn't really that old in the grand scheme of things. No. I just I just saw somewhere where Robert De Niro had his seventh child at 80. So we've got a lot of time, brother. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm 58. Uh, I Over COVID, did my um, Ancestry.com uh, just to see, you know, my parents are, are Jewish. I just wanted to see what, what, what my DNA was. So we did, did uh, Ancestry.com. It came back 100% Jewish. So I called up, I called up my parents on the phone. I said, are you telling me that nobody before me married outside of Jewish DNA? And they said, well, we don't think so. Well, I, I changed our bloodline a little bit because I married an Arab, hundred percent Arab. So that's the crazy thing. So I've got, I've got a household that's a little bit of Ishmael and a little bit of Isaac, which is really actually pretty cool to me. Wow. but as a Jew growing up at, at 10 years old, I accepted Jesus into my heart. And um, when, when Jews do that, they don't convert to another religion. Jesus didn't come to start a new religion called Christianity. We just, I feel like my Jewishness is fulfilled in recognizing my, my Jewish Messiah. Wow. But at the age of 10, until 58, I thankfully I've been serving the Lord, but amazingly, the issue of Israel was never something that was foremost in my mind. I, I looked at Israel as every 
other nation. For God so loved the world, not Israel, that he sent his son because he would that none would perish. His desire is that every knee would bow and tongue confess. That's who God is because God is a God of life. But what I never realized was the centrality of Israel in his plan. When I was uh, 2005, I brought my first trip over to Israel, led my first tour over to Israel. And we walked into an underprivileged children's center <clears throat> in Tiberias. And we were bearing gifts for these kids. And when I saw their faces, my eyes filled with water and I was reminded of the verse in my heart. In as much as you've done it, this is what Jesus says, in as much as you've done it to the least of these, my brothers, you've done it to me. And for the first time in my life, I recognized that Jesus was talking about the least of his brothers in Israel, clothing the naked, feeding the hungry, uh, praying, for, going to the sick, visiting people in prison. It, he's talking about his Jewish brothers. Yes, we should clothe the naked of any nationality, but the least of these brothers of mine in the, in the scriptural context in which Jesus was talking was specifically related to his Jewish brothers. Wow. So I knew that I needed to start an organization that would start supporting and feeding and clothing the least of these in Israel. So we started together for Israel in 2005. But Dom, here's the crazy thing. I started a nonprofit organization without a true burden for Israel. And we started giving. I was pastoring a local church here in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. And it was the church was thriving. I was running and gunning with the church. I started this nonprofit, just giving hundreds, maybe sometimes thousands, but not tens of thousands of dollars a year to Israel. As money would come into Together for Israel, we would send it out. Then in 2010, after giving for five years, I was flying home from Israel and I felt like the Lord was sitting next to me, um, pointing his finger at me, saying, you're a Jew. I've called you to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And Dom, when that, when that revelation came, something changed in my heart. So when people ask me, what was it? It was God meeting me and opening my eyes. But it came on the heels of me praying for Israel and me giving to Israel. So some people will say, I don't have, I don't have a revelation of Israel. Uh, you think entirely differently than I do. What happened was, as I started giving, and I started praying just according to the scriptures, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. God in Isaiah 62 says he's placed watchmen on the walls and to give him no rest until Jerusalem is established as a praise in the earth. I just started being biblical. Wow. And what God did is he graced my obedience by giving me his <clears throat> burden. And it reminds me of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. He gave, he would give, to the needy in Jerusalem, and he was a man who prayer. God shows up and says, Cornelius, your prayers and your giving have ascended as a memorial to, to God. God recognized this Gentile man who was praying and giving, and because of that, God fills him with his Holy Spirit, just like he did with the Jewish people. The gospel goes to the nations because of a man named Cornelius in, from, uh, from Caesarea, Acts chapter 10, it's really remarkable. So I feel like I had my Cornelius moment on that plane. And ever since 2010, I've been living with this burden to see the church awakened to God's heart where Israel is concerned. And this burden 
to see the salvation of Israel. Romans 10.1, and I think I'm yapping, but I'll stop after no. this. Romans, Romans 10.1, Paul says, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they would be saved. Romans uh, 7, I'm, I'm sorry, that's 7, 8, 9, maybe that's Romans, maybe it's, no, it's Romans 10.1. I think I'm right. Uh, but you can edit this if I'm not. <laughs> Just cut this whole thing out. <laughs> Romans 7, 8, and 9, oh, I'm sorry, Romans 9, 10, and 11 talks about Paul's heart for Israel. And Dom, if we all that, you know, people talk about being apostolic. You know, that's the thing today. Let's be apostolic. Well, Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, that's what he called himself, carried this burden for Israel, Romans 9, 10, and 11. Just, just read it. It's amazing. Uh, that is unmatched and I believe is the cry for this generation uh, for me that we would embrace God's apostolic heart for Israel and walk bearing that burden. That's a long answer to your question. I'm sorry. No, it's so beautiful. It, 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 you, I, I appreciate you elaborating because it's your story. And uh, just hearing your story is uh, convicting. And, mm -hmm. and especially with the book of Romans, it was funny. I just had a conversation with our a few of our leaders last night, and we were even talking about how we've been going through the book of Acts and line upon line yeah. and we're we're about to go through the book of romans and i know that in my past whenever i read the book of romans in certain circles i was a part of i felt like i really only knew romans one through eight it was like <laughs> they were the main passages of theology understanding our our liberty in christ uh you know righteousness apart from the law all of these these things but then I, the more that I have read the full book in context over the past five years, I would say, because before then I had not in real deep and Romans eight is that powerful chapter of declaration. And then, like you said, you get to Romans nine and Paul says, I have an unceasing anguish in my heart yeah. for, for, for my Jewish brothers. And, <laughs> and you're, and you realize after all these powerful confessions, that's where it's leading to Bro. is to get us into that hard posture. And I'm just like, Lord, forgive me for making my walk just kind of surface based and just being motivated today. And that's beautiful, but there's way more than my story. There is a bigger story here. And I'm just, uh, when I hear you say that, that's, uh, my, it's just so beautiful to get that context. So well, that really blesses me. It's interesting, Dom, because Romans eight ends with you know a very well known verse: "Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ." Right? Love, love of Christ. And then Romans nine starts with Paul saying he wished that he could be separated for the sake of his Jewish people. So nothing can separate me. I wish that I was accursed, separated from God for the sake of my kinsmen. Who in this world would be willing to give up their salvation, their eternal um, communion with God for the sake of anybody? And yet Paul had such a deep burden that he himself was willing to give up his salvation if it meant his own Jewish kinsmen coming to the Lord. So, uh, man, uh, thankfully, I believe nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. And wow. if Paul was willing to give up that salvation for his people— we should at least be carrying a burden for Israel. And if we're not, I believe it's a, it's, it's a cosmic battle, principalities and powers that are gonna keep us from really understanding what role Israel plays um, where, where, God's, where Jesus returning 
even comes in and and the role that Israel is called to play in our lives as believers, both Jew and Gentile. You know, in that that same section in Romans, I think it's Romans 11, it says uh, salvations come to the nations to provoke Israel to jealousy, right, Tom? So if if part of our role as believers in Jesus as king is to provoke Israel to jealousy, what are we as the church doing? Do we even have a grid for Israel? I never did as a Jewish believer in Jesus. I never had a grid for Israel. So if I as a Jew could be so blinded to God's heart for Israel, I'm not pointing a finger at anybody saying, man, you're, you know, you're this or you're this. I just believe that every force in hell is against us grabbing on to the key heart of the Lord where Israel is concerned. Because once we do, bro, we're touching something above this natural realm. Church, look, look, we're not called to go to church to have a great experience on a Sunday and then live the rest of our lives or on a Tuesday night. It doesn't matter. Sunday morning, Tuesday night, home groups, all that is great. But if we're not living with God's burden throughout the week, understanding that our destiny as believers is so tied in to Israel as a people, as a nation, and as a land, we're going to miss out on our role that we are called to play by God in his kingdom family anyway. Wow. um, I don't know if that makes sense, but. No, it's so good. And this is just more for me right now, but even when you were bringing up Paul being cut off from Christ, would you even possibly submit that obviously the Lord had given him that burden, arrested him with that burden by his conviction, walking, seeing the Jews' reaction to him sharing his testimony and all of those things. But would you would you even think that he would him reading and knowing the Old Testament so well and seeing Moses in Exodus 32, 32 say, Lord, will you know, will you forgive them? the Israelites for all their complaining and all that. And if you won't, will you blot me out of your book? Yeah, absolutely. It was, Paul was really being Moses in a way. I love that. I love that you bring it out. That's, that's the intercessory role that we are called to play where Israel is concerned. When we think of ourselves as intercessors uh, and I'm not, I'm, you know, it's to me, intercession, you know, there are people that can pray for hours and hours. That's, I'm, I'm, that's not who I am. I'm, we're called to pray. One, one great man of God, I can't remember, maybe it was Smith Wigglesworth or, or somebody like that said, um, I never pray more than 10 minutes, but I never go 10 minutes without praying. Something yeah. along those lines. We're called to be prayers. But listen, if we're not, if we're not praying for Israel, if we don't have a heart for their salvation, we are missing it. Paul's, I pointed it out earlier, Paul's heart's desire and prayer for Israel, Romans 10, 1, is that they would be saved. If we're not praying for Israel, we're missing out on a blessing that is attached to part of our destiny as believers. And it's really, really interesting, Dom, because you you pointed this out. Paul, all those New Testament believers, when they refer to the scriptures, they're not referring to anything from Matthew to Revelation. It wasn't even, wasn't even written yet. Their scriptures was Genesis to Malachi. That was, that was the scriptures when it says all scripture is inspired. We as believers, we need to start getting back in to the prophets, yes. see what they say about Israel. You, you, you know, there are people that say God has written Israel off. It's like, it's called replace, 
theologically, and I'm no theologian, it's called replacement theology or supersessionism or fulfillment theology. People will say this, everything that was written for Israel in the Old Testament now belongs to the church. And the church has superseded Israel. Those promises are now for the church. And, and, and so that begs the question, what about the curses? So the blessings of the old covenant towards Israel's obedience, you know, I will bless you, blah, 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 blah. That's, that now belongs to the church, but the curses still belong to Israel. No, we, the church, Jew and Gentile alike are one. Yes. Gentile nations have been grafted. When we bow our knee to Jesus as King, we're grafted into the root, the root that, that nourishes us. And that root isn't Christianity. It's the people of Israel and, and their relationship with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, it's so interesting to me that God refers to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, a Jew, Isaac, a Jew, Jacob, a Jew. Jesus, through that lineage, this is the Matthew 1, 1, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, or the Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Through and through, Jesus is a Jew. He was born a Jew. He was raised a Jew. He died king of the Jews, and he's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's a lot of Jew in there. And people get really ticked off in their hearts when they hear that, because it sounds like God is ethnocentric. Jesus came, he said, I've only come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus said, uh, salvation is of the Jews. You got a lot of Jew, 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 Jew. No wonder every force in hell is against Israel. And even as we're recording this, Israel is in one of the greatest battles of their history, of their history, because the devil is gonna do everything he can to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. It's, it's happened throughout scripture, Dom. You look at Pharaoh, look at Haman, look at Herod. After scripture, look at Hitler, look at Hamas. They exist to see Israel wiped out. Why is Israel this small little blip on the map surrounded by enemies? Why is there so much contention over that little piece of land? Because God chose it. Why is there contention over the Jewish people and such hatred, historical uh, hatred? Because God chose one nation to make a name for himself. Let me, can I, can I just read you one verse? Go for L it. Listen to this verse, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 23. What one nation on earth is like your people, Israel? This is David speaking. The one nation who God redeemed for himself to make a name for himself. God chose Israel to make a name for himself. Salvation comes through Israel. Paul said, if there was no Israel, we'd have no glory. We'd have no scriptures. We'd have no Messiah. God chose that nation to bring salvation to every other nation because the devil knows back in the garden when God cursed him and, and said, one's coming that's gonna ultimately crush your head. God was looking for one nation through whom that Messiah could be birthed. He chose Abraham. He chose Isaac and Jacob. He chose the people of Israel to be the nation through whom he can make a name for himself. According to David's prayer right here in 2 Samuel, 723. So if God chooses a nation 
and that nation was going to be the nation that brought salvation to every other nation, no wonder the devil hates Israel and the Jewish people. No wonder Pharaoh, Haman, Herod, Hitler, Hamas wants to wipe Israel out. No wonder many, even Christians, are calling for, um, for Israel to, you know, to give up land. And no wonder. It's, it's, it's horrific. That little, I call it like, sometimes it's like a pimple on the map. I don't know. What, what, what city did you say you're in? Are you in Clearwater? Yeah, Clearwater. Right. Have you ever heard anybody say, we need to see Clearwater wiped off the map? Let's, let's go. We, no, no other city or nation. Florida needs to be wiped off the map. The United States, well, interestingly, Iran, any demonically, uh, demonically uh, influenced group of people will be calling for the annihilation of any people group. But throughout history, ever since God chose Abraham 3,500 or more years ago, 4,000 years ago, there's been a diabolical plot <clears throat> to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. And that's why we as believers in Jesus need to stand and carry this apostolic heart just like Paul did. And if we're, if, if we're not there, let's not beat ourselves up and say, no, that's Scott's burden or that's together for Israel's burden. Let's just say, Lord, open my eyes. It didn't happen to me until 2010. What's that? Uh, that's, we're recording this in 2023. That's 13 years ago. I was 45 years old. Wow. How, can, how can a 45-year-old Jew not be enlightened to God's heart for Israel? I, I believe that, that the principalities and powers would do everything they can to open up our eyes with regard to the centrality of Israel and the Jewish people in the plan of God. So good. So good. I, I got a chance to talk to you just briefly about this before we started, but with, I know you're starting to hint on it with everything that's going on currently with Israel. I know you have some friends that are very intimately involved that are actually just geographically there located even on the ground and so forth. And I know that the mainstream media and all things can, it can be a swirl and people get deceived and not even really know what's going on and lack empathy, lack a, a compassion for what's really happening. Is there anything that you could share or uh, bring to our attention of even just some of the the things we might not be hearing relationally that are happening on the ground in Israel right now? Yeah, well, first of all, <clears throat> I would say this. Israel's war is not a war against any people group because within Israel, it's really, really interesting. When you go to Israel, if you've ever been there, you'll see traffic signs. And it incredibly, there's like three languages on those signs. You've got Hebrew, you've got Arabic, and you've got English. So within Israel, they recognize that there are, it's a multinational nation. It's the only democratic nation in the Middle East. Wow. You can worship whatever you want in Israel. You, you, can, you can worship whatever, as, as godless as anything, you can worship that in Israel. But if you go to any of the other nations around there, you could be killed for, for the very things that you're free to do in Israel. So number one, people are saying Israel's an apartheid state. Israel, you know, has no, um, no desire to have non-Jewish people living there. That is 
absolutely and completely false. Israel is not looking for more land to take over. As a matter of fact, Gaza used to be inhabited with Jews who voluntarily left, some of them kicking and screaming, but Israel called them to leave. And what's currently going on in Gaza right now, it's not, it's not that they're run by non-Jewish people, it's that Gaza is run by a terrorist organization that seeks to wipe Israel out. So Dom, for you and for me, what, what if we're living in this nice neighborhood and all of a sudden a neighbor moves in and uh, they move in right next to your home and their one goal is to kill you and your family? Wow. You, I, I mean, let's just, let's just bring this home. It's not the Arab people. It's not the Palestinian people most Arab and Palestinian people that I know, they're beautiful. They, they love living in peace. They want to live in peace. But there's this, there's this godless mob of people who want to see Israel and the Jewish people destroyed. You can go into, just Google Hamas Charter. It's online. As a matter of fact, the, the very fact that they filmed and, and relished over what they did on October 7th. Uh, and, and now nations around the world are, are praising them for what they're doing, people within nations around. It's incredible. So your neighbor moves in and their one goal is to see you and your wife and your kids done away with. What option do you have? You can either, one, move out of your house, which most people would tell you to do, or you can fight. Uh, and, and here's what's happening. Most people are telling Israel to move out of their house. You want to be, you want to be safe? Just leave. And if you look at the history of Israel, no matter what nation Jewish people have been in, they've been expelled. Whether it was Spain, whether it was Israel, what any other nation that you see where Jews have been, they've been asked to leave. Just leave. The issue, I'm telling you, my friend, the issue is not Arab, Palestinian. The issue is the devil who wants to see Israel destroyed. So my friends over in Israel, they want to live in peace. With I've got Arab friends over there who love Israel, who love the Jewish people. I've got Jewish friends over there. Everyone that I know wants to live in peace with their Arab neighbors. I've got some of my closest friends work together with Arab congregations over there. So don't, let's not buy the lie that Israel is looking to rid that nation of, of anybody other than the Jewish people. But interestingly, every nation around Israel has rid themselves of all the Jewish, of all the Jewish people. It's crazy that the, the media bias against Israel is horrific. And I've got friends with kids who, uh, Arab Jewish kids who love hanging out together. The, the heart's desire within every friend of mine that lives in Israel is to live in peace, not only with their Arab neighbors, but also with their surrounding neighbors. But unfortunately, it's not a good neighborhood and everybody in the neighborhood wants to see that particular house, the house of Israel destroyed. That's, that's such a great, analogy and just a way to look at that it really brings 
brings us into the narrative to understand. And if you had to give scriptural framework to what's happening right now, like the current event, and I know that that can kind of be a loaded question because there's so many things that are manifold prophecy in the Bible. But if you had to give a little bit of scriptural framework for what's happening right now in the earth to to almost bring a greater platform to the gospel being preached, what, what would be a few passages or a passage that you would point people to uh, regarding this current event that's happening with Israel that's been ongoing, as you've mentioned before? Yeah. Well, the, the scriptural pattern that I would give, which I alluded to just ever so briefly, is ever since God chose Israel, there's been a diabolical plot to wipe them out. So although we're not living in the days of the Bible right now, we are living in a time where history is repeating itself, right? So in the in the in the days of Exodus, Pharaoh saw that mm. Israel was proliferating, right? They were getting stronger. Joseph was sold into slavery into Egypt. God bless Joseph. Joseph prospers. Another Pharaoh comes in. Joseph dies, forgets Pharaoh forgets the Jewish people, they enslave them. They want to see them, excuse me, wiped out and destroyed. In the book of Esther, you've got, you've got Haman who goes to a king and says, there's, um, there's this group of people, they don't think like we do, they pray to a different God, they have different customs, let it be decreed that they be destroyed. So you've got Pharaoh, you've got Haman, you've got Herod in, in, the Gospels, who calls for the death of, of male Jewish children because they know that a messianic figure has been prophesied to come. So now it's the same thing all over again. I'm, I'm not an end time uh, scripture genius. There's, there's some people that are saying, hey, listen, we're coming up. We're coming up to Gog and Magog, or this, this is what's happening here in Ezekiel and Jeremiah. It may be. It may not be. I can't. I can't like pundit that. I'm. I'm not. I'm not. In, I'm not theologically inclined in those ways. It may. What's happening right now may be something that is exactly pointed to in Ezekiel or Jeremiah or Daniel. But I'm not going to go that far. But what I will say is that if you look at Scripture, what's happening now is a repeat of history over and over and over and over again. But the end of the story repeats until ultimately Jesus comes back. The Bible says that God is a God who gives life to the dead, Romans chapter four. Um, speaking of Abraham, by the way, whose wife's womb was dead, his body was as good as dead, then God births the nation of Israel through Isaac that ultimately led to Jesus. So what I see in scripture is a pattern of death to life. The earth was formless and void. God breathes into dust. You can't get more dead than dust and breathes his life into it. Satan comes to bring death. So man partakes of the fruit. You've got death. God goes into action. No, we are overcoming death. I'm going to send my son. So what happens? His son through the, the womb of a Jew uh, and the seed of a Jew Jesus comes. So th the cycle continues through scripture and through history. Let's wipe out the Jews. Let's wipe out the Jews. Let's wipe out the Jews. So make no mistake, what's happening right now 
is a repeat of this cycle that is ultimately going to end in resurrection and in life. You talk about the Valley of Dry Bones in the book of Ezekiel, bones spread everywhere. And the Lord says, speak to these bones that these bones shall live. And you know, and then the Bible actually interprets this scripture. These bones are the house of Israel and they come together as a great army, whether that's happened before, partially or, or fully, or is going to fully be fulfilled, which I believe is yet to be totally and completely fulfilled when the Lord returns and Israel looks on him whom they have pierced, book of Zechariah, and mourn for him. They recognize Jesus, the Messiah, the King, and welcome him back to the nation of Israel. So scripturally, over and over and over and over again, God takes that which the enemy means to destroy and he brings his life. Thank you so much. That That's beautiful. And I love when, whenever we're looking at anything in the world through a biblical lens that we don't even just isolate it to one passage of scripture, but we see that God is telling a story. And when we're able to look through the whole lens, it, it really brings the, the beautiful context we need. The one question I wanted to ask that goes in line with everything that we're sharing is how would you encourage us to respond that don't know as much, but our hearts are beginning to be tethered? How do we respond? How do we pray? How do we partner with God in this? I love that question, Dom. I think it's a great question. And anybody that's not asking it is going to miss out on the blessing. I'm not saying that I have the answer, but I have an answer that we tell our people about wherever we go. I call them the four P's, actually the four PRs, just to make it easy to remember. Pray, provoke, proclaim, and provide. We are called to pray. I've mentioned both of these scriptures before, Isaiah 62, six and seven. Pray to God, give him no rest until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Psalm 122, verse six and seven. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They will prosper who love you. We've gotta be praying. If praying isn't our first and foremost response, then we are missing out on God. And if you don't have a burden to pray, pray anyway, because it's in the Bible. And the more you pray, the more you'll have a burden. That's why Jesus said, you know, pray for those who persecute you. Who's got a burden for the people who persecute you? You wanna see them destroyed. But when you start praying for things that you don't have a burden for, you start grabbing hold of God's heart for the very yes. thing for which you're praying. Cornelius, Acts chapter 10, your prayers and your giving have ascended like a memorial to God. Pray, provoke, uh, what's the scripture for provoke? Romans 11, 11 and Romans eleven fourteen. Salvations come to the nations to provoke Israel to jealousy. We have got to be a people that call ourselves believers in Jesus, Yeshua, the King, <laughs> the, the, our salvation. We've got to provoke Israel to jealousy. And throughout Israel's history, unfortunately, those people known as Christians have provoked Israel to anger because at the sign of the cross, the Jewish people have been uh, forced to convert or die, convert to Christianity or die. Crusaders 
would march into Israel with the cross on their shields and march Jewish people into synagogues and burn them down while singing Christ, we adore thee because these people thought that the Jews were Christ killers. They killed our Messiah. We've got to kill them. Throughout history, Israel's been, um, Israel has been persecuted by the church. You might say, oh, they weren't true Christians. Well, I, I agree with you. They weren't true followers of Jesus. But nonetheless, the sign of the cross has been a sign of devastation for Jews. People wearing crosses would go to church on Sunday during World War II and incinerate Jews on Monday. Things have got to change. Israel needs to see we who embrace their king and their Messiah, um, they've got to be provoked to jealousy by seeing God in us. Pray, provoke, proclaim. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation to all those who believe to the Jew first. We have got to keep the Jewish people and the people of Israel first, not because they're superior, but because it's God's, it's, it's God's way. Yeah. Salvation to the Jew first and also to the nations. It's not an issue. The Jewish people are, is not an issue of ethnic superiority, but biblical priority. Wow. It's just that simple. If, so we're, if we're not proclaiming the gospel to the Jew first, we're missing the pattern in scripture. First things first, you know, it's, God's not interested in um, our leftovers. He's not interested in just giving him what's left. He's looking for our first. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of your labor. If we're going to honor the Lord in giving, let's give the first fruits, or just really quickly, a, a slight rabbit trail. But the first fruits, first fruit feast in Israel, the, the Jewish people who would bring their, their offerings to the Lord in Jerusalem, if, if, if they were growing tomatoes, that first tomato that came out would be marked and not eaten. They would carry that with joy to Jerusalem to give it to the Lord. The first fruit of their labors they would bring back. We've got to give the Lord our first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. There, there's a biblical priority where Israel is concerned. Pray, provoke, proclaim the good news uh, to the house of Israel, and finally provide. Wow. Yes. Paul would go to the churches of the nations. Romans 15 talks about Macedonia and Achaia. I think it's verse 25 to 27. Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to give an offering to the saints in Jerusalem because they recognize not only do they have a, a, a um, how does it go? Not only do they have a spiritual debt to Israel, but they must also help them in their material needs as well. Uh, giving is key. And when we give to Israel, what we, we really emphasize giving to the saints in Jerusalem, according to Romans 15, 25, um, many, many organizations, and they're good ones. They raise tens of millions, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars for Israel and never give to the believers there. Wow. It's, it's crazy. And there's a, there's a small remnant of believers in Israel, the nation's about 8 million Jews and uh, a few million Arabs. So I don't know, between 10 and 12 million people in Israel, you can look it up. I, I'm not sure of the exact number, but let's say 8 million Jews of that Jewish population on the high end of the spectrum, there may be 30,000 believers, Jewish believers in Israel. So, so I don't know what 30,000 to 8 million is, but it's less than 1% or maybe less than 0.1%. I mean, it's it's a low number. We have got to be standing with those people 
in Israel and blessing them, just like Paul did, that the nations of the earth would be giving. And it's interesting, we, we alluded to Cornelius in Acts 10. God says your prayers and your giving have ascended as a memorial to God. Cornelius had revival in his house, bro. I really believe that revival is gonna come. If we follow that same, that same biblical pattern, let's be giving to Israel, let's be praying for Israel. You can add my other two PRs and they're provoke and proclaim and wow, man, we've, we've got revival in the church. <laughs> Wow. I, so, so good. And everybody that's listening, I, I hope your heart's as provoked as mine is to just, soon as I learn how to respond or find it in scripture or hear it illuminated, that is a way that we begin to love God in a way that we formerly did, did not understand. And now that we can respond in a way to the one that we love, loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind and all our strength, to just get instruction on that is, is key to fulfilling. And, and Scott, right before we, we close in prayer, I would be so honored if you would lead us in a prayer over Israel. And even if you could add just that our hearts would be awakened to the heart for Israel. I wanted to ask you, and if there's anything else you want to add outside of this question, please feel free to. Do you have any passages of scripture that you would recommend people to be praying if they're very new to Israel? I know that a few um, that we've been doing are like Psalm 121 and Psalm 122, uh, but I know there's a plethora more in Isaiah, but is there any that you would really recommend for a newbie, so to say, to just start contending for? Yeah, I would, I would, I, I call it my 9-11 challenge. Uh, read Romans 9, 10, and 11 Come on. over and over and over again. Ask the Lord as you're reading it to illuminate your heart that you would carry an apostolic heart like Paul for the children of Israel. Now, here's what's going to happen for newbies and even non-newbies. Sometimes you'll be reading and it's not going to make sense. <laughs> it, you're not going to understand it. Don't beat yourself up over it. Just say, Lord, illuminate your heart as I'm reading these scriptures illuminate my heart where, where an apostolic heart for Israel is concerned. You know, the end of Romans 11 has one of the most amazing scriptures. It's, it says, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, who has known the mind of the Lord, of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. There, the glory forever and ever really comes when Israel enters into all that God's called it to be. And we play a central, we as believers of the nations play a central role in that. Let's be, let's Romans 9, 10, 11, just once a day or twice a day, it'll take you 15 minutes the most. Read it with an open heart, Lord, illuminate my heart where this is concerned. And if it takes a day or a month, just get those scriptures inside of you and, and ruminate over them because God will change your heart. And another thing, and I'm, I'm really sincere about this. You said Psalm 122, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray that God would bring them peace. And even if you don't understand what that peace looks like, say, Lord, I don't understand what this looks like, but because your word says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm simply gonna do it. I'm gonna obey. And may you honor my obedience, even without full understanding of what it means. And I believe that the Lord will respond to you as you simply are honest with him and say, Lord, open my heart to where Israel is concerned. I hope that makes sense. 
that that makes perfect sense and in fact i love the way you articulated that because that is probably the thing that i've tried to convey the most that i know how to is that the most powerful way to pray for Israel and have a heart for Israel is to pray God's word, whether we understand it or not. It's us coming into partnership with what he said. And as we begin to, in faith, speak what we don't fully understand, but we do it from a heart posture, God does the work on the inside of us and and, and tethers us to it brings us, provokes us in compassion and brings us forward. So I'm so thankful that you you share that. And I definitely will take the 9-11 challenge afresh and get into that. But in closing, and if you have any final remarks, please feel free. But if you would pray that our hearts would be more awakened to God's heart for Israel and that we would pray for Israel in this moment together. Yeah, my, my final comments before I pray would be this. It means the world to me. Uh, that you would give me an opportunity to share with you and and those who call um, Gold Street Garden their their home and and even beyond. If you're listening to this and you're not part of that local congregation in the Clearwater area, you may you may you may end up watching this from another nation on the earth. I just really believe firmly that God is looking for men and women today who would grab hold of His heart for Israel. And when we grab hold of God's heart for Israel, we'll rightly be able to see every nation on the earth. For God so loved the world, he would that none would perish. He wants to see Israel saved. He wants to see Gaza saved. He wants to see Lebanon and Jordan and Syria and Egypt saved. That's what his heart is. And I love that about God. He chose one nation so that salvation could come to every nation. And I'll pray and then I'll just turn it over to you, Dom. Thank you so much, bro, for having me today. So yeah. Yeah, let's let's pray. Lord, I'm so grateful for this opportunity to speak with Dom. I just pray, great God, that you would answer the cries of our heart. Lord, your word says that Israel is the apple of your eye. That's what it says in the book of Zechariah. He who touches Israel touches the apple of God's eye. Lord, I pray that we would see Israel as you see Israel. I pray, Lord, that we would have a heart's burden for Israel like you do, Lord. When, when, when we as natural fathers or mothers seeing our children either verbally or physically abused, something rises up inside of us, Lord, that, that, that wants to make that right. Lord, and when we see our children uh, physically and verbally um, affirmed by others, our hearts go out with love towards those same people who would embrace our children. How much more your heart for those who embrace your children, your firstborn son, Israel. Lord, we pray that that the apple of your eye would become the apple of our eye. Lord, that we would treat Israel the way that you treat Israel. Lord, that we would love Israel the way you love Israel so that we can love all the nations in the way that you do. Lord, forgive us for our short-sightedness, Lord. If we've been blinded like I was for so many years of my life to the centrality of Israel in your plan, I ask you to forgive us. Open our eyes, Lord. We can't can't do this on our own. We need your help, but we first cry out to you and say, Lord, in our weakness, you become strong. Show us, Lord, your heart for Israel. And I pray a blessing over each one that's watching this Lord, that we would walk, Lord, with the truth of your love for Israel and your love 
for the nations. In the name of Jesus, Yeshua, our King, amen. Amen. Oh, this was such a beautiful time of dialogue over the scriptures. And I do want to just make sure I give one more quick plug. All the, all the links needed to get tied up with Scott, his ministry, and even following him on social media to get updates and things we're going to put in the description below. So make sure you go and actively follow all that God is doing. And I even know our body wants to even begin to partner in greater ways with Together for Israel because of their heart for actually supporting and funding believers in Christ that are in Israel to actually answer the call of scripture and to aid them to further preach the gospel to the nation of Israel. So thank you once again, Scott, and everybody check out those descriptions below.